Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Holiday Insights Series, a new podcast series produced by Retail Touchpoints and sponsored by Salesforce. I'm Alicia Esposito, content strategist at Retail Touchpoints. Over the next few months, I'll be interviewing experts and influencers across all areas of the retail world. We'll delve into the latest customer trends and technologies and how they'll impact retailers' holiday experiences. We'll also provide some ongoing updates as the season goes on, so you can refine and optimize your strategies as we head into the new year. So our guest today is undoubtedly one of the leading voices in the e-commerce and retail world. She's shared her insights on retail touchpoints before, and you've likely heard her perspectives at one of the many retail events all around the world or, or even on television. So we're really happy to have uh, Sucharita Kadali of Forrester here today. Sucharita, thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So th- the holidays, of course, are well behind us by now, but the retail community, of course, is still talking about some of the key trends, um, the results, and of course, how they impact their 2019 strategies. Um, it's the circle of life in retail, so to speak. And uh, Forrester did a lot of research over the course of the season, so I thought a good way to start our conversation would be to hear from you. Um, you know, what were some of the results that Forrester saw during the holidays, and and what do you think they'll do? Like, what impact will they make in, in 2019? Yeah, so um, most retailers, particularly those that had pretty strong web presences, um, definitely saw growth in in Q4, and um, much of that was, of course, in in their online sales division. There were some companies like Amazon that continue to, um, you know, kind of do better than than. Um, than the, than even the the overall um, industry, which means that they're they're gaining share, um, but uh, but the um, net net um, you, you know e commerce has definitely been a big driver of uh, of some of of any growth that retailers are seeing. Um, now, all that said, um, there were companies that had challenges, particularly in their physical stores. Um, there were companies like Macy's that. Um, had some softer growth than they had been seeing through some of the earlier parts of the season, um, or earlier parts of the year, I should say, in 2018. Um, but uh, but oh, but you know, I think that some of that is is just due to the fact that. Um, you know, kind of retail is is as an industry, it's a zero sum game, and you do have some companies gaining share while others are losing share. And right now, it's the e commerce channel that's gaining a lot of share. And if you're so long as you're strong there, um, that's one's best opportunity for for capturing um, the wallet share. Yep, absolutely. And, and that e commerce rise, so to speak, is really just testament to shifting consumer behaviors and preferences. I mean, the Amazons of the world have, have kind of set the precedence, right, of, of the customer experience and, and making things as easy and turnkey as possible. But I'm glad you brought up brick and mortar because, you know, really hot topic now in the industry, especially at shows like NRF, which, you know, we, we just uh, attended a few weeks ago. Um, a lot of the content and the um, the booths revolved around the, the core narrative of reinventing retail or reinventing the store experience, which, you know, th- there's a lot of exciting opportunity there. There are a lot of cutting-edge technologies to help facilitate that. What, what are your thoughts on this narrative that, that's being posed? Is this a, a realistic goal for 2019? Are you seeing some movement within the retail community? And, and what trends are, are really 
rising to the top as retailers take a hard look at their stores in particular and say, how can we tackle this challenge like the Macy's of the world are dealing with? Well, I, I think that a lot of retailers are closing some of their um, excess stores, and that's a, a challenge that just takes time um, because you have to wait for leases to come due. And, um, you know, if you may realize you're overstored now, um, it's not always easy to act upon because you either need to find other tenants for that property or um, you just need to wait for an opportunity to renew that lease. So, um, but, um, you know, where, you know, I mean, that's part of why you see the, the um, closing of a lot of retail stores is for exactly that reason is that um, bricks and mortar is challenged and there are um, not, um, you, you know, the, the number of really attractive retail um, destinations is not huge. It's physical retail, um, probably about 20% of um, of uh, you know, kind of malls and shopping centers in the United States, we would consider to be like A properties. Um, you know, most others are are just not that great, which is which is fine if you're you you know, kind of if you're you know, say a. You know, like if you're a medical practice or you're an ethnic grocer or, you know, something where consumers will come to you. But if you are um, a specialty store that depends on, um, you know, kind of, you know, kind of just uh, casual foot traffic um, to be in some of those B or C properties is a big challenge. And, um, you know, and and you're sometimes stuck there because, um, you know, these are 20 or 30 year long leases that may have been signed at times when the properties were more attractive than than they are now. Um, so there's there's definitely just kind of the shakeout of physical retail that is important and that we'll continue to see um, a lot that is, um, you know, that, that's happening on that front. Um, you do hear a lot about things like experiential retail and making stores um, more fun or engaging environments. I think that that makes sense. And, um, you know, kind of your A property locations, or it makes sense, um, you know, kind of in, in dense urban environments. But it's not a super scalable idea, because it often does involve a lot of, um, a lot of uh, expensive costs either in build-outs of your store or in um, sales associates and people who would help to manage that experience. Um, so this is where, you know, I think it becomes just more important for retailers to diversify and to find other ways of, of making money, um, you know, whether it's, um, it, you know, kind of getting into adjacent businesses or offering services um, that, that may make sense for for whatever their business is. Um, You know, I'd argue that a company like Sears um, probably wouldn't be in the financial position it's in today if um, they had held on to some of the businesses that they diversified into over the years. Um, So uh, some of the things that people may or may not know about Sears, for instance, is that it was, um, you know, where Disco- the Discover card got its start. Um, Sears once had Allstate insurance, and all of those businesses have over time been, had over time been divested from Sears. Um, but arguably, those businesses are the ones that are doing okay, and the core Sears business of selling physical goods in, you know, kind of not the best locations um, is the business that, that wasn't doing as well. But ironically, that was 
was the business that the company had held on to. Um, so I, I think that, um, it, you, know, you know, I mean, when, when companies um, have the opportunity to diversify, they have to be wise in looking at, you know, kind of where, where is the future versus, you know, what's viable for, for the present. That, that's really interesting, Sucharita. So just to ask a quick follow-up question around that, um, what, what can retailers do to ensure that they're strategic in, in those conversations or considering ways to diversify a, a little bit more? Is it taking a look at you know their current product offerings and figuring out what supports or complements those offerings? Is it merely a matter of just understanding the customer and kind of building around them. I'm, I'm just curious if there's a, an ideal way to, you know, shake those details out to determine, you know, how, how can we di- diversify a little bit more? Um, I think that uh, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, taking stock of, of your own assets and um, really looking at where are your strengths and what do you have, whether it's from um, a consumer standpoint or whether it's from, um, you know, kind of just an, another asset. You, you know, when you look at a company like Amazon, I think some of the, the things that Amazon has done is that um, they've really taken stock of what are what are that company's assets that, you, you know, everything from, um, you know, their technology talent and looking at larger trends in the industry to help create new products that that um, that leverage Amazon's strengths. So, um, you know, one of the the things that they recognized was a need was this push toward um, toward cloud, and um, you know that was the really the origins of Amazon Web Services. Um, when you look at um, its marketing services group, a large part of it is. Um, you, you know, kind of that was born of the fact that it just has a large um, uh, d- d- amount of traffic, just, vis- you know, kind of just eyeballs and, and consumers coming to its its web properties. Um, so that's, so I think that other companies, um, you know, should all, you know, should also take stock of, you know, what are your assets? And, you, you know, I mean, if, if, eyeballs and foot traffic are a significant part of what you do or what you're able to generate, um, you know, is there maybe a media um, opportunity or an advertising opportunity that's there? If your assets are related to, you you know, kind of loyalty and, um, you you know, kind of um, merchandising, are there, are there opportunities there that, that makes sense? Um, so I, I think that it, it's really, you know, doing an audit of what are your strengths and, you know, kind of what can you potentially flex into that makes sense um, for, for an adjacent business. Got it. That's very helpful. Thank you. Um, so so I think, you know, our conversation thus far, we, we've kind of done an inventory of all of the change and and all of the different forces that that retailers are are forced to navigate, you know, within the retail realm specifically, of course, taking into account consumer needs and preferences as well. But, you know, there are a lot of other forces as well that impact growth opportunities or impact the overall health of the business. And and I know there have been rumblings recently around, um, you know, the, the trade wars and, you know, possible uh, implications or the possible impact of the government shutdown. I mean, do you have any thoughts on the impact of 
outside forces, economic forces, political forces, etc., um, the impact they've had thus far. Is there going to be a long tail impact that, that retailers should take note of, or is it all still kind of developing and, and all kind of hearsay right now? Uh, well, I think that there is a lot that is um, still speculation. I think that there was quite a bit of talk about tariffs and in, um, in 2018, but it looks like a lot of that may not really come to fruition in 2019, which is great for the retail industry because then they they don't have to deal with extra taxes um, on goods, especially because they are so dependent on markets like China. Um, and in any case, um, the tariffs weren't expected. In categories like apparel, which are a huge part of the, um, the you know, kind of the physical goods that are imported to the, to the U.S. Um, so, I, you know, I think that it's still very, um, very speculative what will ultimately happen. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, I think that what we do know is that um, we're probably due for a recession. We're probably due for some type of um, a correction of some sort. Um, the economy has had a pretty strong bull run for a number of years, and retail is very cyclical. And a lot of retailers saw some pretty good growth in 2018. And given that retail is such a zero-sum game, um, usually when there are good quarters, I you know always worry that bad quarters aren't far behind. Um, so it's it's best for companies to just um, hunker down and and prepare for. Um, tougher times because, um, you know, just because um, shoppers may have purchased in one quarter doesn't necessarily mean that that momentum is going to continue into the future. Right. That's a great point. And are there any other forces that we haven't spoken about yet that you think are, are really critical to call out as retailers begin to, you know, develop their strategy or develop that plan to action? Um. I, I think that, um, you know, a lot of, I mean, there's not really an easy answer other than to just, um, you know, kind of save for a rainy day. And uh, and some of that is just um, to, to, first of all, to be pretty conservative in your, um, you, you know, expectations for the future. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I think that that's where often retailers get into trouble is that they, because they saw, you know, a quarter or two of strong growth, they'll, um, you know, have very aggressive plans for the future. That I think was actually Macy's problem in Q4 wasn't so much that um, that they had done badly. I mean, they're lucky to be gaining any, you know, kind of any positive sales at all in such a tough economic and, you know, in such a competitive retail environment, I should say. Um, I think the bigger issue was that they had um, projected stronger growth um, and then they had to retrench on on some of those very aggressive estimates. Um, so, so I think, um, you, you know, just even being more conservative um, with one's outlook is is an important piece and then um it, you know just uh planning um you, you know for um you know to flex down on things like you know kind of marketing spend and elements of your variable marketing budget or variable spend overall that you just may not have the luxury to um you, you know to to execute i think are are important pieces. Um, so it's it's always, um, you know, I think that for retailers, many of which are 
you know, publicly traded. A lot of it is just sort of managing to um, to the street and um, making sure that expectations aren't um, you know misaligned. Um, because I think that that's that's where a lot of retailers get in trouble is that they they may have set higher expectations and then they can't even deliver against those expectations. Yeah, there are some great points there. And I think to close the loop on, on our conversation, um, as you noted earlier around experiential retail and, you know, all of the great in-store tech that um, is front and center for, for retailers to see what they can capitalize on, it, it all ties back to being strategic, right? It's figuring out what makes sense for your business from a financial standpoint, not only in the now, but, you know, the long-term bigger picture and just aligning your strategies to what makes sense for your target customers and, you know, any, um, any real estate you have, just making sure that, you know, there's, there's a strategy in in place, not, you know, do a full rollout of this new in-store concept because, you know, it worked once. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting, journey for retailers as they try to navigate all all these forces while still figuring out how to differentiate it in the marketplace. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, Sujurina, you shared a lot of really fantastic insights today, and I really appreciate you digging deep into all of these different forces, again, that, that retailers need to navigate in 2019. But if retailers want to get a few more insights from you, from Forrester, of course, um, the Forrester website, but are there any other resources that you'd point them to to get some more information and insights? Uh, sure. Yeah. Most of the analysts, including myself, have Twitter feeds where we're sharing our um, our favorite articles and, um, you know, kind of data points of interest. And, um, you know, my, my Twitter handle is um, smulpuru, M-U-L-P-U-R-U. Um, we, of course, as you'd mentioned, have, um, you, you know, kind of a, a number of different blog posts where we put highlights of our research. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I'm also, um, you know, a big fan of, of any, any kind of um, regular releases that come out from government data um, or, um, you know, kind of the U.S. Census because they, they often, um, you know, will also have, uh, you know, kind of a good uh, handle on, on how the industry overall is doing. Great. Well, thanks again, Sujurita, so much for taking the time out. And um, thanks everyone out there for listening. Take care. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Holiday Insights series. Our conversation today only scratches the surface of all the opportunities retailers have to surprise and delight customers during this magical time of year. And if you're looking for more holiday insights, just visit our podcast hub or the Salesforce Holiday Resource page, which are linked in the show notes.